Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 8, Numbers chapter 8, verses 5 through 22. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites from among the people of Israel and cleanse them. Thus you shall do to them to cleanse them. Sprinkle the water of purification upon them, and let them go with a razor over all their body and wash their clothes and cleanse themselves. Then let them take a bull from the herd and its grain offering a fine flour mixed with oil, and you shall take another bull from the herd for a sin offering. And you shall bring the Levites before the tent of meeting and assemble the whole congregation of the people of Israel. When you bring the Levites before the Lord, the people of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the people of Israel, that they may do the service of the Lord. Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the bulls, and you shall offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. And you shall set the Levites before Aaron and his sons and shall offer them as a wave offering to the Lord. Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the people of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. And after that, the Levites shall go in to serve at the tent of meeting, when you have cleansed them and offered them as a wave offering. For they are wholly given to me from among the people of Israel. Instead of all who open the womb, the firstborn of all the people of Israel, I have taken them for myself. For all the firstborn among the people of Israel are mine, both of man and of beast. On the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated them for myself. And I have taken the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the people of Israel. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the people of Israel to do the service for the people of Israel at the tent of meeting and to make atonement for the people of Israel that there may be no plague among the people of Israel when the people of Israel come near the sanctuary. Thus did Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel to the Levites, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, the people of Israel did to them. And the Levites purified themselves from sin and washed their clothes. And Aaron offered them as a wave offering before the Lord. And Aaron made atonement for them to cleanse them. And after that, the Levites went in to do their service in the tent of meeting before Aaron and his sons, as the Lord had commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so they did to them. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. Will you uh, pray, with me, uh, pray with me quickly to ask for God's blessing upon the preaching and hearing of his word tonight? Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a God who has made yourself known to us and have 
revealed your, your will to your servants that we may live righteously before you. And Lord, we do pray now for your blessing upon the preaching and hearing of your word tonight. We pray that you would show us your glory and show us how we ought to live, Lord, before you this evening. And as we go our separate ways at the end of the night, I pray that your Holy Spirit would go with us, sanctifying us and making us more like Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. So the book of Numbers is primarily about Israel's journey in the wilderness from the foot of Mount Sinai to the east bank of the Jordan River just outside the land of Canaan. And you also may remember that in the way back, even before the book of Numbers, in the book of Genesis, that the Lord had promised his servant Abraham that he would give this land, the land of Canaan, to his descendants, and that there he would dwell with them and be their God and make them into a great nation through which all the other nations of the earth would be blessed. So, so whereas all the people of the earth were cursed of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden, now all the people of the earth are going to be blessed on account of Abraham's offspring living in the land of Canaan. But how exactly did this happen? Or how would this happen? How exactly would Israel be a blessing to all of the other nations? Well, the answer to that question is revealed to us in Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, where the Lord tells Israel, saying, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see, the Lord is going to make Israel into a holy nation by giving them the law so that they know how to live righteously. And by living in accordance with this law, the people of Israel will become a kingdom of priests. But why priests? Why does the Lord set them apart to be priests? Well, the job of priests is to go before a holy God and intercede on behalf of sinful people. So then the nation of Israel was to function as a kingdom of priests through whom the rest of sinful humanity would be reconciled and restored to their creator. This is God's plan for reversing the curse that he put upon humanity in the Garden of Eden. And this is how Israel was going to be a blessing to all of the other nations. And this is exactly what the book of Numbers is leading up to. Which is why... Despite all the plaints to the contrary, mine, mine own included, the book of Numbers is actually a really exciting book to read. Because so much 
hangs in the balance. Nothing but the redemption, the reverse of the curse, and nothing but the redemption of all mankind is at stake here in this book. And it all depends on whether or not the nation of Israel can keep God's covenant and live faithfully in his holy presence in the land that they are about to receive as their inheritance. As a result, much of the book of Numbers focuses on Israel preparing to accomplish this God-given mission. That's why, for example, the very first chapter of Numbers begins with a census that counts all of their fighting men. Because Israel is preparing to conquer the land that the Lord is giving to them. But war is not the only thing that the Israelites have to prepare for. They also have to prepare themselves to live in the presence of an almighty and holy and just God. You may remember that when the Lord had descended on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus, that no one was even allowed to come near the base of the mountain lest they touch it and die. That is how holy God is. Now, it was also on the mountain where God gave his servant Moses instructions to build the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was the tent where God himself would dwell in the midst of Israel's camp. But the question that should naturally arise for us is this. If God is so holy that the people can't even come near him without dying, how in the world is Israel expected to survive with God living right in the middle of their camp? This reminds me of uh, the book, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. And it reminds me of that part where the, the children are having a conversation with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver about meeting Aslan, the great lion. In that conversation, the youngest child, Lucy, starts to feel nervous about meeting a lion. And so she asks the beavers if Aslan is safe. To which Mr. Beaver replies, Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Now in that response, C.S. Lewis gives us a perfect description of what God is like. God's holy presence is not safe for sinful people like you and me to be around. But because God is good, he desires for his people to have a relationship with him. And so he provides a way for them to do so without dying. And one of the ways that God makes it possible for Israel to live in his presence, in his presence without being destroyed is the tribe of Levi. The Levites were chosen by God to serve him 
in and around the tabernacle and to act as a protective hedge that would keep the rest of Israel safe from God's holy and yet very dangerous presence. And so in, a, in our passage this evening, I want us to see three things about the Levites. First, I want us to see how the Lord sets the Levites apart from the rest of Israel for this special, for this special task, how they are set apart. Second, I want us to see why the Lord sets them apart from the rest of Israel for this special task. And then third and finally, I want us to see what exactly the Lord sets them apart for. So first, uh, let's look at how God sets the Levites apart from the rest of Israel. First, he tells Moses in verse 6 to take the Levites from among the people of Israel and to cleanse or to purify them, and to cleanse or to purify them. According to one, commentate, com, according to one commentator, to purify the Levites means to move them into a sphere of purity where they can enter into proximity with holy objects and even with God himself without causing harm to themselves or anyone else. That's what it means to purify. It means to move sinners into a realm of purity where they can now have the freedom to interact with holy objects and even without God himself, and even with God himself without causing without causing harm to themselves or anyone else and as we see clearly in our passage this purification was a two-step process that involved both an outward cleansing and an inward cleansing in order to be cleansed outwardly three things happened had to happen to the levites First, the Levites needed to be sprinkled with the waters of purification. Second, they needed to shave their entire bodies with a razor. And then third, they needed to wash their clothes. And together, these three steps were intended to purify and do away with the Levites' minor or superficial impurities. But on top of that, the Levites still needed to be cleansed inwardly, which meant that their sins actually had to be atoned for. And in order for this to be accomplished, two kinds of sacrificial offerings had to be made, a burnt offering and a sin offering. And the reason that two different kinds of offerings had to be made was because they served two different purposes. You see, the burnt offering was intended to turn the wrath of God away from the sinner and to heal the relationship that was breached by sin between God and man. That was the purpose of the burnt offering, to turn the wrath of God away from the sinner. The sin offering, on the other hand, was intended to wash away the stain of sin that polluted or defiled 
the larger community, and most importantly, the tabernacle where God himself would dwell. So the sin offering was intended to clean away the, impur- the impurities and the stains and the effects left behind by sin. And together, both the burnt offering and the sin offering were intended to purify the, Levi- the Levites from their more substantial impurities and to neutralize their sins' polluting effects. But even after all that, something more still had to happen in order for the Levites to be qualified to serve before the presence of the Lord. And that is that the people of Israel had to gather around the Levites and lay their hands on them in order to signify that the Levites were indeed their representatives who would be serving God in his holy presence in their place. This is significant because it tells us that the Levites were going to do for their fellow Israelites what their fellow Israelites could not do for themselves, which was that they were going to draw near to God and they were going to live. Now, after the entire congregation of Israel finished laying their hands on the Levites, the Levites, in turn, had to lay their hands on the two bulls, which were to be used for the burnt and the sin offerings. And this was to signify that those bulls were to die in the place of the Levites. But why is this necessary, you might ask? Why do the bulls have to die? Well, the answer to that question takes us all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, in the Garden of Eden. You see, when Adam and Eve, our first parents, sinned, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden, away from God's holy presence. And then God's holy presence was then guarded by a cherubim with a flaming sword. And this cherubim with a flaming sword signified that no sinful human being could ever again gain entry into the Garden of Eden and draw near to the holiness of God without being destroyed. For the holiness of God demands that those who sin must die. And so in order for the Levites to serve the Lord in the tabernacle where God himself was dwelling, something had to die in their place in order to pay the penalty for their sin, which, was, which in this case was the two bulls, the most valuable sacrificial animals that the Israelites had. Now, after this occurred, we are told in verses 11 and 13 that Aaron and his sons were to offer the Levites as a wave offering to the Lord. Now, as I read that, I must confess that I was wondering, what in the world is a wave offering? And so I had to go back to Leviticus chapter 7, 
where I read about whenever someone would sacrifice an animal as a peace offering, the breast of that animal would be given to the priest as a gift, which the priest would then take and wave in the air before the presence of the Lord. As a result, that part of the animal, the breast that was given to the priest, was to be a gift. And they called it the wave offering. So, so then, when the Lord tells Moses that Aaron and his sons were to offer the Levites as a wave offering, that tells us that the Levites are God's gift to the high priest and his family to help them carry out their duties. And this is, in fact, confirmed for us in the first part of verse 19, where the Lord explicitly states that he is giving the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons. So then, in order for the Levites to be set apart by God to serve him in the tabernacle, we see that a couple of things had to happen. First, the Levites had to cleanse themselves, both outwardly and inwardly. Second, the Israelite congregation had to lay their hands on the Levites, which which signified that the Levites were their representatives. Third, the Levites had to lay their hands on the bulls that would be used for the burnt and sin offerings. And this identified the bulls as their substitutes that would pay the penalty for their sin. Then fourth and lastly, Aaron and his sons had to offer the Levites as a wave offering before the Lord, which signaled that they were receiving the tribe of Levi as a gift from God to help them carry out their priestly duties in and around the tabernacle. Now this sums up how the tribe of Levi was set apart by God to serve in his holy presence on Israel's behalf. Next, in verses 16 through 18, we see why God has set the tribe of Levi apart to serve him in the tabernacle. We see why God sets the tribe of Levi apart. In verse 16, we read that God took the tribe of Levi for himself instead of all the firstborn sons of Israel. Then in verse 17, the Lord explains that on the night of the Exodus event, when he struck dead all the firstborn sons of Egypt, that he took or that he consecrated all the firstborn sons of Israel for himself. In other words, the firstborn sons of Israel were the ransom price that had to be paid for Israel's salvation out of slavery in the land of Egypt. The firstborn sons of Israel were the ransom price that had to be paid for Israel's salvation for for their slavery out of Egypt. This means that Israel's salvation from slavery was not free. Israel's salvation from slavery was not free. 
It actually came at a great cost. And the only reason that Israel's firstborn's son, the only reason why their firstborn sons didn't have to die that night when they left Egypt in order to pay the penalty for that cost is because the Lord graciously accepted the sacrificial death of a spotless lamb in their place. And so the firstborn sons of Israel got to live. But even so, from that moment on, Israel's firstborn sons were now the Lord's possession. But if we want to understand why the Lord chose the tribe of Levi in place of Israel's firstborn sons, we have to go all the way back to Exodus chapter 32. It's in that chapter that we read about Israel's idolatry with the golden calf at the foot of Mount Sinai. You may also recall that in that story, the tribe of Levi was the only tribe that chose the side of the Lord. They were the only tribe that chose to stand with Moses. So when Moses gave them the command to kill their fellow Israelites with the sword who had committed adultery against the Lord, the Levites did not hesitate. And in doing so, they showed that they loved God more than they loved man. As a result, from that moment on, the Levites were ordained for the service of the Lord in the place of the firstborn sons of Israel. This then explains why the tribe of Levi was chosen by God to serve him in his holy presence. Next, I want us to see what the Lord set the Levites apart for. In the first part of verse 19, the Lord makes it clear that he had given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons to do the service for the people of Israel at the tent of meeting or the tabernacle. But what exactly is that service that they were expected to, expected to do? Well, we're told elsewhere in the book of Numbers that this service involved guarding the tabernacle from would-be defilers, transporting the tabernacle from place to place, and assisting the priests in offering sacrifices. Those were their three tasks, guarding the tabernacle, transporting the tabernacle, and assisting the priests in offering sacrifices. Now, by doing these various tasks, we're told in the second half of verse 19 that the Levites would make atonement for the people of Israel. Now, it's important for us to know what that word atonement means. To atone for something means to pay the penalty, to pay the penalty for sin. And that penalty had to be paid in order to restore people to a right relationship with God. That's what atonement is. So, for example, sacrifices 
like the burnt and sin, and sin offerings, were types of atonement. Sacrificing valuable animals on the altar of the Lord was, way, was a way of paying the penalty for sins. The Levites, however, were to be a living sacrifice. And the nation of Israel offered them to the Lord to make atonement on their behalf through their service at the tabernacle. Professor of Old Testament Studies at Westminster Seminary, Ian Duguid, in his commentary on the book of Numbers, uh, writes this. He writes that the Levites atoned for sins by acting like the sin offering, by protecting the sanctuary against the kind of defilement that would inevitably have brought judgment on the community. And also, by assisting in the regular offerings at the altar, the Levites also acted like a burnt offering, thereby affecting a change in God's attitude towards his people. Duguid then goes on to say that if there had been no Levites, the presence of the tabernacle of God in the midst of the community would have brought nothing but plague and death upon Israel, rather than life and prosperity. But because the people of Israel had a living sacrifice working on their behalf, they could now draw near to God and live in his presence without any kind of fear of consequence. And now what I really want you to notice is that, is that very last part of verse 19, where God says that the Levites are to make atonement for the people of Israel, that there may be no plague among the people of Israel when they come near the sanctuary. The key word in that verse is when. The Lord says, the Levites will make atonement for the people of Israel when and not if they come near the sanctuary. In other words, it was the Lord's expectation and desire for the people of Israel to come near to him. And the way that he made it possible for them to do so was by providing for them a living sacrifice to make atonement for their sins. This is how the Almighty and Holy God enters into a relationship with sinful human beings. And this is still how he enters into a relationship with sinful human beings even today. You see, he has provided for us a living sacrifice in Jesus Christ who makes atonement for our sins once and for all. In fact, it was Jesus all along who the tribe of Levi was meant to prefigure 
The tribe of Levi was meant to be a sign or a foreshadowing of what God would do one day in Christ. Except Jesus is not a substitute for the firstborn sons of Israel like the Levites were. He himself is the ultimate firstborn son of God. But unlike the firstborn sons of Israel, he really did die in order to pay the ransom price for his people's salvation from slavery to sin. Jesus didn't get to swap his place with a spotless lamb in order to set his people from, free from slavery to sin, he really did die on the cross as God's firstborn son. And what made his sacrifice so powerful was the fact that he had successfully guarded the holiness of God by living a perfect life of obedience and never once giving in to sin. As a result, he did not have to make additional sacrifices like the Levites did in order to pay the penalty for their own sin. Jesus had no sin of his own to pay for, which meant that his death could be fully leveraged for the salvation of all those who would put their faith and trust in him. And that leads me to yet another way that Christ is like the Levites. Christ and the Levites were both the only way that people could draw near to God's holy presence. In other words, if an Israelite wanted to go to the tabernacle, they had to go through the tribe of Levi first. Likewise, Jesus tells us in John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse, verse 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through him. This means that the only way for a sinner to come into God's holy presence without dying is through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that he really is the Son of God. And faith that he really did die and rise again from the grave. And faith that he now stands in heaven where he lives forever to intercede on behalf of of his people. And as long as you have faith in this living sacrifice who is Jesus Christ, I don't care how bad of a sinner you think you are. I don't care how guilty or ashamed you might feel. There is no sin so powerful or no amount of sin so great that it can withstand the cleansing power of Christ's blood shed on the cross for you and for me. 
And if you simply put your faith in Christ, your sins really will be atoned for. And you really will be made right with God. And as a result, you can do what the writer of Hebrews says we should do. We can now confidently draw near to the throne of grace in order to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty and holy God, what a gift. What a gift that you have given to us in Jesus Christ. We were not worthy of this gift. And we did nothing to earn it. We are sinners who deserve nothing but your wrath and your condemnation. And yet, Lord, you have paved a way for us to draw near to your throne of grace, to receive mercy and to find help in time of need. Thank you for sending your one and only Son who died for us that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life with you. We give you praise for him and we ask that you would draw near to us, Lord. We ask that we would know your presence. We ask that we would know Christ more and more and that you would grow us in holiness and Christ-likeness, that we may reflect your holiness to the world around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m., to learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit.